0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 28 of CreateCast, the show about people who make good. I'm your host, Chase K. This week we have a really special guest. Uh, This is one of my oldest friends and probably the first teacher or one of the first teachers to really push me uh, musically. Um, And beyond that, just an incredible person. Uh, This week's guest is Lisa Popeil. She is a vocal instructor as well as a performer, and uh, she's worked with everyone from Weird Al Yankovic to Frank Zappa, so sort of a wide breadth in her career, and she's just fantastic. This interview is a lot of fun, so I hope you enjoy it. As always, you can go to our website, createcastpod.com, to find photos, behind-the-scenes stuff, and sign up for our email newsletter. And you can also find us on iTunes, just search CreateCast, all one word, and leave us a review if you so desire, it really does help us out. Alright, here's this week's episode. Hey everybody, uh, we're here with Lisa Popeil. Lisa, thank you so much for sitting down with me. My pleasure. Now, uh, for those of you that don't know, Lisa is one of the best vocal coaches in not only Los Angeles, but the country and the world, and uh, for those of you who who, uh, recognize her last name... You'll also know Popiel as Ronco, like the Popiel Pocket Fisherman, and, you know, the uh, But Wait, There's More. So, so awesome to have you on the show. And uh, I've had the opportunity to work with you a few times, both writing and, you know, just for vocal coaching. Um, So you don't just focus on music, obviously. You are just a voice coach. And I think that's something maybe people don't always, even people who don't sing, I always find that there are some really valuable things that they can learn just for, sort of from that experience. You know what I mean? From,
1: you mean from having a lesson with a voice coach?
0: Yeah, and just just sort of an understanding of how one's voice works and also just vocal care.
1: Well, first let me talk about the difference between a singing teacher and a voice coach. Because not that it's a really clear, defined difference. But a singing teacher, which I also am, is someone who really focuses on technique, on on how to sing, how to sing well in whatever style you want to sing. And a lot of singing teachers just specialize in one style whether it's pop or classical. And and rarely is it it's rarely is it a, a teacher uh, able to sing in different styles. And so that's what I've one of the specialties I've I've focused on over the years. A voice coach is actually a broader care, category. And I think of a voice coach as someone who can help pick the best song for you if you're not a songwriter. Uh, can help with interpretation, where to breathe, what key to do it in. Uh, There can be some emotional, psychological things. You know, pep talks is all part of being a voice coach. So it's very useful as a voice coach to have studied uh, uh, psychology. So I did my first two years of college were psychology, and it's held me in good stead. And I feel like all people could benefit by taking a course in psychology, taking an acting course, and also learning about their voice because yeah. we just depend on it for everything. Uh, for speech, we, we, we speak, we have no idea how we speak and, and how the quality, the sound of our voice affects how people think of us and yeah. judge us. Whether it's dating or whether it's for getting a job. Some people go, I don't know why I didn't get that job. And sometimes I think yeah. it might be their voice.
0: Yeah, well, I, I think that one thing that's so interesting about that is so much. Uh, I, I think people who hear themselves recorded for the first time, there's always that element of, do I do I really sound like that? And it, and it's I think just sort of this lack of awareness because the way that your own voice sounds to you sounds so different than what comes across on either a recording or to other people. So I think sort of just building that awareness, not only for singing but for even just public speaking or just engaging with other people is always so interesting because I, I I know um whenever I've, I've worked with people just as far as you know sort of getting an idea across and and trying to get them to to put something down on a recording it's so difficult they seem so shy about it and it's sort of something that if you're more comfortable with your voice you can be more comfortable in general
1: oh i I like that idea because the voice is us and you want to have some idea of of what's coming out i think the problem is it's the way our ears are built they're there, they're engineered to hear the world, to protect us from oncoming mm-hmm. vehicles and wild animals. But there's no survival value in hearing yourself speak. Yeah. But in fact, in modern society, how you speak can, can have an impact on on your income, uh, your ability to sell. And I used to think that if you were a professional voice user, you were a you had a specialty gig such as being an actor or a broadcaster, newscaster, singer, teacher. But now I'm beginning to think that, that being a professional voice user means that that it could be anybody. Mm-hmm. Because every time you open your mouth, you're selling yourself. You're, yeah. you're selling a product. Uh Unless you're mute, you are really a professional voice user. Yeah. And also this idea that we have no idea how we speak. Just like we don't know how to, we walk or how we do basic things like tie shoes or tell time. We learned by imitation or somebody showed us when we were so young like well, you.
0: Well, I, I actually still haven't learned how to tie my shoes. But Is that right? Is that right? <laughs> That's
1: too funny. Uh, so when I'm working with people who are having troubles with certain sounds... I'll have my consonant sheet that comes out, and we'll go through each consonant sound in the English language, and I'll explain how it's made in the mouth and the characteristics. And people, some people, nerds like me, I call I call them voice voice nerds, uh, they just get so excited because they're middle aged and they had no idea how their mouth made a K sound, even though yeah. it makes the sound, or that we have no C sound, or just simple things like there's just so much to know. And it's endless. Yeah. The mechanism of the voice is invisible to us. So we have to have images or or actually scientific knowledge. I, I've done a lot of research over the years, so I have videos and drawings and uh, anything that can help us feel like we're in control of our voice aids in our confidence in all ways you can have your basic voice so the voice you don't think about and then you can have your professional voice the one you use like I'm using right now I don't normally speak like this probably probably but I want to sound good and I have cer- certain techniques I'm using so mm-hmm. that I have a more pleasing sound than I might normally if I weren't thinking about it
0: yeah and and I always think it's interesting and especially with sort of the ubiquity of recording technology i mean when when you can pick up your phone and record yourself it's sort of i mean that there's almost no excuse not to sort of explore that medium like anybody can you know pick up a guitar and play it and just in the same way it's everybody has access to this incredible instrument that can do this variety of things whether it's so, something musical or something that i would almost consider almost aerobic or acrobatic about a lot of voiceover work i mean i've always been fascinated with sort of the voiceover world just because of the sort of amount of uh, emotion and thought that has to go into sort of, well, if people can't see me, what sort of emotion or idea do I have to portray with just my voice? And so, I mean, whether that's sort of through a a musical setting or if if you're an an actor, it's something really important that I think everybody can consider.
1: Another aspect of of that is that when you know the specifics of the colors, and when I say colors, I'm I'm likening voice control and voice artistry to painting. So as a painter, you know your colors, your hues, your shades, and you just don't always do blue. I mean, I guess you Mm -hmm. could always do blue, but you can be more expressive if, if you have more colors, but you have to have colors that actually are real colors and they have words so you could mm-hmm. actually communicate those colors to other people as vocalists i've put words to to vocal sounds so let's say there's in resonance there i would talk about ring versus nasality versus brightness that's just an example of of a sound that that any people could say okay i know what that sounds like and i explain how it's made and we can add more of it or less of it, just like a painter would. And when you add more of it, here's what you express. So it, you can actually reverse engineer great voice use. You can mm-hmm. say, okay, that person sounded really gnarly there or really yeah. frightening. What did they do? So I just reverse engineer and say, okay, here are the components with with actual sounds and terminology So that people can build, not just by talent. Talent just means I'm I'm great without having any idea of how I do it. But for people who aren't naturally talented, but have a fascination with, with excellence or wanting to learn everything about the voice as I did um, having words for things and knowing how to make those sounds has given me a, a sense of playfulness mm-hmm. uh, a sense that I'm I'm actually in control of my voice I don't just have to rely on whatever comes out like I feel it and and you know I remember producers saying when I was starting to record just to put more feeling in it. And I go, I yeah. don't get it. I, I am feeling it. Yeah. And in fact the more I felt it, the worse I sang because the more constricted the more you I about became it, yeah. I got really constricted. Like if you want to cry then I yeah. couldn't sing at all. So I had to start listening to, to singers who in at that time were considered very expressive singers. And I'd say, Okay, what are they doing that I'm yeah. not doing? And I I noticed things, I noticed all kinds of things that they were doing that weren't real feeling, it was artistic feeling, and I just started to do what they did. And in order to teach people, because that's really been my passion, since I kind of figured out the ingredients of artistic singing or artistic voice use, is to be able to teach people how to to do that, to save time. I don't want them having to reinvent the wheel. I've done a lot of that work for them. So all they have to do is I present the sounds, I present the the ideas, I present the mechanism, and and they can hear it in other people and they can steal better. Humans always have learned voice by imitation so I'm all about imitation but doing it with a precision and a skill and efficiency so they're not just guessing at what they're hearing but they can precisely develop their ear and their mind to hear and they can steal better from the greats they can be great
0: faster well well, and I think that's something that makes your approach so different especially as a singer and I think anyone who's had singing lessons there's sort of what I've come to call sort of um, voice teacher Speak like voice teacher speak where it's sort of you know sing from your diaphragm or or you know these sort of words that that mean something to one person but don't necessarily mean the same thing and I I think that you've gotten a really incredible uh way of presenting things in a really concrete fashion that allows people sort of okay I get it like that makes sense I I can I can understand that and I I know that for me when when we first started working together it was just sort of a really different experience because it's like oh that is is a lot easier and makes a lot more sense than, than I had ever known.
1: And there's, thank you, and there's certain terms that I just don't use because uh, when I grew up, I, had, I started when I was six years old with voice training and I've had so many teachers and approaches and many of the commonly used terms, it turns out that they either were incorrect and, and unscientific or confusing. And when I would ask the teacher, I was one of those students, you know, you didn't want to have me as a student because I'd actually... Call you on your stuff. I'd say, mm-hmm. what does that word mean? Everyone uses. What does that mean? Uh, and you know, simple yeah, things like no vibrato yeah. or or resonance. What's resonance mean? Or what does what does mix mean? Or yeah. what's a register? Um, uh, and or well, how do we sing from our? Di- where is the diaphragm? And mm-hmm. so many teachers, uh, even now, don't know where the diaphragm is. Which is no, now. There's no excuse. You just go yeah. on the internet, and there's you know great three D video models of it so i i um I just wanted to know I just didn't like not knowing or being confused, so certain mm-hmm. words that are standard i've i've even though I know what they mean now, I just discard them because they've too much baggage, mm-hmm. too much confusion, and I just want to help people and that's where my my passion is now is to to have people experience this high this joy when they can do things with their voice they never thought was possible they mm-hmm. can Sing higher or lower, or be able to have no sensation of discomfort in the vocal cords immediately. I mean, in within five minutes of working together, after years of discomfort or years of breaking the voice breaking, in ten minutes by using some kind of unique, innovative things I've developed based on actual sensations in the vocal folds and different models of registers, in ten minutes their lifelong huge break is just gone and sometimes it it can throw them it's like that oh, yeah. that problem is such a huge part of who they are yeah that that just don't letting know who they are they don't, it, yeah. exactly so they have to psychologically get used to the idea that yeah. their problem is solved and they have to like readjust their mind to mm-hmm. like well maybe let's find some another problem or maybe you don't maybe you don't have any problems now yeah. also another difference i think is i don't i think that exercises are overrated yeah. It's not that I don't do vocal exercises they have a place but in so many of the current pedagogies they are the focus of the lesson
0: you yeah. come in
1: and 80% of the lesson are this vocal exercises and the same ones every time and I yeah. think they they I know students they can do the vocal exercises but they can't sing a song. Yeah. yeah. Songs are the goal expressivity is the goal.
0: Yeah I mean any guitar teacher that I ever had I mean it's it's sort of I've always been a, sort of a self-teaching student in many ways, but any guitar teacher that I, I feel like I've really learned something from, they're the teachers who are, they they present at least some technique, but you aren't so beholden to it that it hinders the experience of what you're trying to do. And also, it sort of it is just more a gateway to a song. It's like here's here's what you're here's what you need to learn, but here's why exactly. and here's why you need to learn why? it. There needs to That's be a, there needs so to be a purpose
1: and that when you do the exercises you you know exactly what's expected of you and you know what the goal is uh and not just do it and and then okay that was great it, huh what did you yeah. get out of it so i had too many too many exercises in my youth and it, i just don't feel i was getting better mm-hmm. i just maybe was getting better at exercises but uh There's just so much wonderful stuff to know, like even music, how to read music, how to feel like you can play if you're a non-pianist, but a singer, how to to play uh, the melody, how to read notes. It's so fun, and and I'm developing more paperwork now on music theory the way I I think it should be taught, in what order. Many people learn music theory, such as how to read music, uh, or how to sight sing, they learn it in the wrong order, or they learn chords, but they don't learn what makes up a chord. So mm-hmm. I'm spending a lot of thought now creating uh, a simple music theory sheet that uh, would be as systematic and as prone to as, as little confusion
0: as possible. Yeah, well, and I think that developing these easier ways for people to work allows people to sort of just make music a lot more easily. Um, I mean...
1: And not just put their yeah. fingers like guitar players who, they only know how uh, to yeah, put their I, I fingers. Know, I know
0: this shape. I know that this sounds good. So I'm, I'm sort of, and I know that I, I I was, I felt this way for a long time. And I think this is something that many musicians still deal with. And, and I still deal with to an extent. It's just sort of, I'm very comfortable with these chords. I know what these sound like. I know where I need to go. But, you know, maybe it's if I go outside of my comfort zone. Or, you know, I'm I'm not... I've played piano before, but I'm not, you know, by any means a piano player. But sometimes it's really valuable for me to sit down at a piano or sit down with a different instrument and sort of say, okay, well, how does this make me approach something that I'm trying to create? How do how does this sort of new I think that's idea. a great
1: idea is to break out of your comfort zone. Sometimes you have to do that on a different instrument because when you play your instrument as much as you and I do, we our fingers just go to the same patterns and the songs sound... Uh, We'll feel at some point in our songwriting or composition that our fingers are always going in the same place Mm -hmm. and we're hitting a wall creatively. So I agree, learning to play other instruments at least rudimentarily can help our overall musicianship.
0: Now, uh, you you mentioned earlier about sort of being a voice coach versus being a singing coach. And obviously you've taught sort of both people. I think people who are more interested in just the voice in general and people who are more interested in singing. So I guess this is sort of a twofold question is, first... How are those people different? And then also for people who you've also taught people who are really experienced that come in and then also people who are have never, you know, felt the need to sing in their life. So, uh, I guess how are those people different?
1: Well, my personal goal is to be all things for all people. Now I know people are chuckling and saying, well, that's not possible and maybe it isn't, but that's still my goal. So if somebody comes in because they're having vocal health issues, <clears throat> Uh, that's one of my, my specialties. I'm really I'm a kind of a fake doctor. Uh, I don't prescribe. Don't sue me. <laughs> but I'm always looking for ways to help people who are doing eight shows a week in Broadway or touring uh, for a six-month tour. Uh, so I'm always looking at at, at, at ways uh, in, in concert with laryngologists. And sometimes I come up with some things they don't know about. So it's a real conversation, an ongoing conversation. Uh, Conversation I have with cutting-edge laryngologists uh, and, and doing research myself for vocal health. I have people who come because of just simple voice. They're having voice problems speaking. Or they come for singing, but they have voice problems speaking. They have bad speaking voices, and it's affecting their singing voice, or they're having voice fatigue. Some people want to, ha- to know the big picture of singing. They want to know everything about singing, the the rudiments, the the, the foundation, and they're interested in multiple voice styles. So I teach pop, rock, jazz, R&B, different musical theater styles, from legit to five different kinds of belting. Uh,
0: I think one of the coolest things that I I learned, and you introduced me to this, was just the fact that there are teachers for growling and and rock Mm -hmm. and roll singing. I mean, that's just so incredible to me that people are, are... Sort of taking these things that develop on their own and saying, okay, well, how, how do these things work, and, and how, how some do...
1: people are specialists and they're really good at their specialty. I'm trying to be a generalist because my interests have always mm-hmm. been general. I started as a classical singer, and in in the, was in the late '60s, early '70s. I wanted to learn about pop styles because I was hearing it on the radio but I had no idea how to make those sounds myself I'd always sound like head voice when I went higher I could sound like pop on the lower notes but when I went higher I always have to go into head voice and I couldn't find anyone to help me or would help me or could help me so it was very early days and only now and now you've got voice coaches coming out of the woodwork and that can be scary because when you're on the Internet and you see thousands and thousands of self-professed voice coaches, can they really sing? You know, did they have one teacher? I mean, anyone now can call themselves a voice coach. And it's scary because no no knowledge is required. There are people making twice as much money as me, or asking for twice as much <laughs> money as my rates, and they don't sing. They can't even sing. They won't yeah. sing. And that is frightening to me. No no tests, no knowledge,
0: no books, no, no degree. Um, well, I think it's funny. It's, it's, there are a lot of things where I, it almost makes some sense to say, you know, those who can't do, teach. But I think that singing is one of those things where, you know, those who can do should teach. You know what I mean?
1: I agree. And also when you've been a professional, if you've actually performed, uh, you've done casuals, you've done backup singing, you've done... Um, jingle singing, you've sung in movies, television, uh, all of these real-world experiences, even if you've performed on stage in opera, you've done professional musical theater, Uh, all of these things gives you something to share with people who are fascinated by what you do. So I recommend that people who want to perform also consider that they can teach what they do know don't don't say you know everything continue to learn uh, one of my focuses is the training of teachers and I'd say a full quarter of my clientele are voice teachers most of whom have master's degrees some have PhDs in voice but it's classical voice and they don't know how to make the sounds yeah. that people want to do. Yeah. And so to be a successful private teacher, you almost always have to be able to teach belting, how to take a chest voice up high Mm -hmm. safely and beautifully and be able to do it yourself. So there's a huge demand for this kind of uh, learning and and teaching of this kind of voice technique. And and every year, conservatories and universities are churning out classical voice singers for whom there's no work and classical voice teachers Who are not prepared for the real world demands of having a successful private studio. Yeah. Now, if you if you do teach in a university, you can get away with teaching only classical voice. But you, are you really preparing people to be able to work yeah. once they get out of school? Not stuff. Not really. It's you really have to be a, more of a generalist than ever to be. Uh, to really be of service to to people calling you and saying I need help. Here's what I need help doing. You and it takes a lot of commitment and courage. I mean, I always tell the, the teachers that come to my workshops I how much I appreciate and honor that they're even there because they're going to hear things that are the opposite of what they've heard in their training that that are going to be shocking perhaps, but that will give them The control, the power, the accuracy, many of them even lack in their classical Mm -hmm. singing voices. They're going to be just better singers all the way around and have a good time doing it, even though they have to be, say, if they might have to put aside certain preconceptions about those old adages about how to sing.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, well, Lisa, I want to thank you again for uh, coming on. And where can people go to sort of find out more about you and also more about uh, voice works your sort of teaching platform.
1: Well, my website has a lot of information on upcoming workshops and uh, there's a lot of free video tips on my uh, video tips page. I What else? I've, I've got my schedule for whenever I have an upcoming workshop, whether it's my three day total singer workshop or if it's a one day workshop, I've got a one day workshop coming up uh, beginning of October in Florida. I've, we're st- settling on the dates now. I also do conferences mostly in Europe, so I'll be in Florence, Italy, presenting on range and registers. In um, that'll be August.
0: Sounds like, like a good business trip.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, I, I just love those conferences. That and I'll be at the Voice Foundation uh, in in Philadelphia in uh, May. And I've got a three day total singer workshop going to happen at the end of October this year at Duke Voice Care Center. And I, I'm doing Skype sessions now for for class, for groups for college classes so awesome. anywhere in the world. So I've got one coming up in Croatia. I just did one with Southern Illinois University. So any class or any school or anybody who wants to not want to be here in LA who'd like to know more can can find me through you know just contact me through my website and the Skypes working really well.
0: That's awesome. Well, again, thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Chase.
0: Once again, a huge thanks to our guest for coming on the show. Lisa is awesome, just awesome, and it's always a joy to sit down with her. Um, Thanks to you for listening, and just remember, check us out at createcastpod.com or CreateCast in the iTunes store. All right, and here's one final word from Lisa herself.
1: Hi, this is Lisa Popeil, and I'm here to remind you to make good.